everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we're here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. I enjoyed this episode thoroughly because I enjoy Hemingway. This episode has a character who's just basically Hemingway, right? Right? Matt. I know, I know. Matt, I made, I promised, made a promise to myself, wouldn't yell anymore. Oh, but it's funny when you yell. Uh, it is funny when I yell. I know people that think it's funny. I mean, I really want to. It's not that I don't want to yell. I really want to yell. This is one of those episodes. If we were, if we were not a PG PG podcast, and if I had not made that promise, <laughs> oh my god, oh boy, I would be screaming curse words this entire episode. Uh, this is uh, maybe it's just, I think it's I'm not in a good mood today. I have a lot to do, and this episode's not helping. If it was a great or a good or even mediocre episode, I would be okay. There's this episode. Oh, boy. Um, we are brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month. Gain access to all our bonus content. $5 a month. Gain access to that and much, much more. It's uh, the best deal in podcasting. I'm <laughs> you can, really... You can, after you listen to this, you can go back and listen to us talk about good episodes. I'm just trying to muster... Of some excitement for this man. Um, this this week's episode is The Daughter Also Rises. It was a PABFO6, originally aired February 12th, 2012, written by Rob Lezebnik, directed by Chuck Sheets. It received a 2.5 rating with 4.3 million viewers. The chopper, I will not replace a candy heart with a frog's heart. Reasonable. It's, not, it's fine. It's a fine chopper gag. You know, frog's hearts aren't very big, man. So you you just gotta get a little, uh, a little sharpie right on there. And mm-hmm. Sweetheart or be mine or something the couch gag mode and a group of ancillary characters come in and congratulate the show for reaching 500 episodes but lisa using a simpsons guidebook tells mo and the others that this is only the 499th episode mo reveals that fox is only going to do the congratulations once much to everyone else's disappointment you know we're about to get the, the actual episode 500 of the simpsons we we hit our 500th episode slightly before they did because the simpsons didn't do mailbag episodes every year yeah they didn't count them no, we literally padded our numbers with mailbag episodes, Matt. They don't count. Oh, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, this episode guest stars Michael Sarah as Nick. Nick is a fiction. Yes, Nick is a fictional character in Hemingway. Okay, Nick Adams. That's what they're. Who's apparently based on Hemingway. So that's what that's what they were doing, uh, Matt. I mean, he's wearing the, the right the outfit, the right sweaters, and everything for Hemingway. So it makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I do like Hemingway. His his prose. His books, Hemingway the Man, not so much. He was kind of a well, maniac. Yeah. He was kind of a maniac. But I as, as we learned in this episode, tortured writers rarely make uh, good. Um, We're good, uh, I'm, relationship Matt, partners. We need to. We'll, we need to unpack that at some point. But we'll get there. Yes. So this also <laughs> guest stars Jamie Heineman and Adam Savage as themselves. Briefly, they really don't do anything in this. They appear on screen. As like their own, as themselves doing a the fake MythBusters thing, but they it's not very long and it's not even good parody of MythBusters. Like, okay, we're gonna get to that too. It's Valentine's Day, ostensibly. It doesn't end up mattering. I, I guess this is this. It's not a Valentine's Day episode though. This the her Lisa and Nick's relationship has nothing to do with Valentine's Day. No, it's very strange. Like the, Valentine's Day is happening, but it's not like oh, Lisa doesn't feel pressure or something because it's Valentine's Day. It just happens to be whatever. Mel and Bar are watching Itchy and Scratchy, um, and then they end up watching Myth Crackers, which is the fake MythBusters on The Simpsons. Marge doesn't want the boys watching TV. They make jokes about now you can watch TV on your phone or on a laptop or on a gas station screen. 
Ha ha. Ha ha. It's not, again, this is not a joke. This is a this is a joke like your grandpa makes a joke when he says well, you can just watch TV anywhere now. You're like that's not again Simpsons. This is not a joke. This is just saying something that happens. And I if if the gas station screen here I don't know if and if y'all any of y'all listening don't know this I'm gonna tell you right now the gas station screens that start playing stuff at you if you start hitting the buttons on the side one of those buttons will mute it for sure. So do that if you if you really if you don't want to hear some bubbly personality yell at you about some celebrity you don't care about while you're just trying to pump gas. Um, they, we get this joke about watching television anywhere. They try and decide to test their own myths. This becomes ostensibly the B plot, except it takes a little bit before we actually get there. Like we don't get the the rest of the, this B plot for a while. Um, another 10 minutes from now, probably, do we start the B-plot again? Because we get this myth, Mythbuster stuff right at the beginning with this fake Jamie and fake Adam, who the joke is they make they explode things a lot unnecessarily on Mythbusters. And then they forget what they're testing, I guess. Haha. <laughs> I, I think I've seen every episode of Mythbusters, even the bad late season ones. And <laughs> they usually, like, they really don't. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of their science is kind of messy but it, that's not the point really no the, the point is to show the process and blow crap up yeah but they don't blow stuff up when they don't actually need to they usually blow stuff up when they when it makes sense um and there's plenty of myths that involve blowing stuff up it's fine um marge all this is unnecessary i didn't pull a clip for any of this like the first five minutes of this episode because none of this matters. This is all just filler. It's just fluff. Like, there's nothing going on. It's just, like, really, really bad, quote-unquote, jokes, uh, nonsense that you don't know why we're watching it. Like, why are we watching Bart and Homer out of batting cages, Matt? Well, uh, for some reason, and this, there are lots of weird things about this episode, but one of them is that for Valentine's Day, uh, Homer spends it with Bart and Marge spends it with Lisa, and we never really get a reason why. Just... To make the plot go, I guess. That's a lot of this. So much of this is because it makes the plot go. Like Marge goes, oh, I just think we should we should be able to spend time with each other every day of the year. And Valentine's Day doesn't mean anything. It's not different. Um, we should use this time to spend time with our, the, the kids. And they and Homer's like, okay. So they go to a batting cage. We get really, really bad. Homer's, Homer's barely in this episode, thank God. But every moment he is in this episode, it is the worst jokes known to man. It is pathetic, pathetic writing. I can't say this at like this episode is pathetic comedy writing. It is sad. I don't know what like what is like. Did you laugh at anything in this episode? Oh, God, no, 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 no. I like I was literally I I watched this episode maybe a couple hours before we recorded this and I am struggling to remember it. There's just nothing in it that matters. You're just constantly going, why am I watching this? Why is this happening on the screen at this moment? Because you get Homer and ba- Homer and Bart in a batting cage, and then Homer flaunting this to some guy who's on a date with his wife, I guess. And, like, and the guy hates his life, and you're like, what? Is this the 50s? Like, Yeah, it feels like one of those really old things. Like, oh, this is an old man joke. Like, ha ha ha, isn't it great? I don't, I married someone I hate. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. That's a really sad portrait of your life then. If that, if that's true, where you think it's funny that you have to go out with somebody. I'm like, 
you, do you like, do you love this person or not? It's the, okay. Um, they go to the batting cages. Lisa and Marge are doing things together. Go like going out to eat. And then at Luigi's at like buffet night. What is this? Why are they at a buffet? Why is Luigi's a buffet? It's never what, been a buffet before. I, never. They're just like, oh, now they're at a buffet. I don't know why, but eventually, I can't emphasize enough, this takes forever. It feels like eternity. Every moment of this episode feels like it takes 10 times as long as what it actually does. Um, we have, we have, I guess, the beginning of some sort of plot where Lisa meets this boy, Nick. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to be nosy. Don't apologize. It was dark. Then a light came through the crack. The light was you. Oh, you have a way with words. Words are just nails we use to build ideas. Care to continue this discussion at the dessert table? Mom, I'm going to look at the desserts! Don't panic. This can be separated out. Quick, does anyone have a centrifuge? Oh, Ivan, all I wanted was one romantic night. Oh, for Clive and Crush, Frederick. Yep, you're the crackhead. (laughs) What dessert are you going to get? I'll toss this fork into the air, and wherever it lands, that's what I'll eat. <gasps> As Hemingway said, the shortest answer is doing the thing. Um, I should probably get back to my mom. By the way, my name is... No! When I first hear your name, I want to be somewhere important. The peak of Kilimanjaro, the back of a Vaporetto in Venice, the... Lisa! Now this is the most important place in the world. Now that's a spicy meat cute. Lisa? Hey, Midge, you want a piece of my ziti? That costs a nickel, but uh, we'll settle up later. Why is Mo here? Matt, there's so many inexplicable things that just happen in this episode that you don't know why they're happening. They just happen. Look, we, why does she like this boy? Like, because he's he says one clever thing? Is that all it is? I, that's the best I can t- I can tell is he says oh he says well, he's he's soft spoken he doesn't feel the need to be loud and brash I guess he's just not like the kids at Springfield Elementary is the best I can tell. Okay, do we? Does anyone ever say that? Does Lisa say that out loud? Do we get anyone talking about that at all? No, of course not. We go to commercial seven minutes and thirty one seconds, and when we come back we get more in Andy. Uh, we start out with more another myth getting cracked. Uh, apparently, there's a myth at Springfield Elementary where if you press E8, it will electrocute you and kill you. Uh, that does not happen. Uh, that's just what happens when uh, Bart forces Millhouse to press it. Uh, but candy cigarettes come out. I guess no one ever looked because it's not like it's one of those vending machines where you can't see everything. But whatever. Uh, Nelson takes it, and then there's just way too many jokes about cigarettes and kids smoking. Which I, just what? Yeah. What? Are we, what is this, man? I old people joke. This joke was written by an old person and they think it's hilarious. The rest of us, not so much. Like the joke is that Nelson immediately picks up the candy cigarettes and starts using them and making, doing gestures that look like real cigarette smokers. Yeah. 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 That's Mm -hmm. how it works. Yes. That's why we don't have them anymore is because it, okay. I don't like what, Oh boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow it. I'm like I'm gonna have a coronary. <laughs> it's okay, Robbie. It's okay. Just breathe, breathe. Oh boy, we'll get you through this. We'll get you mm-hmm. through this. Okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, meanwhile, Lisa is on a date with Nick uh, at a cafe, and if she closes out her peripheral vision, so she blocks out all of Springfield, it feels like she's in Paris, and we get 
at least a minute, maybe a minute and a half of all the gross things happening around her. Barney's puking in a dumpster. Uh, Snake has kidnapped Apu, tied him up, and has thrown him in the same dumpster. Just uh, There's more than that, but those are the two that, that stuck out in my mind. Uh, and she feels, oh, this is great. I love being with this, uh, this guy. Uh, this causes her to be late for a quilting lesson slash appointment. Uh, I don't know, something with Marge where she's, uh, you know, uh, just to quilt together. And Lisa immediately comes in and starts criticizing Marge for her choices that Lisa missed out on because she wasn't there on time. But she is super happy uh, about Nick and upset with her mom, which I, I guess is almost what this episode is supposed to be about is like Lisa, uh, Marge losing Lisa. There's something Marge says later about uh, her not wanting Lisa to be with Nick uh, because it will make Marge realize that Lisa is a separate person from her. So it almost feels like that was supposed to be a theme of the episode, but it was filled with lame jokes instead. So I eh. that that's the thing, Matt, where they try and like gesture broadly, broadly gesture in the direction that Marge is somehow jealous or upset that she's losing Lisa to Nick. But it is all so clumsy and poorly written and poorly structured, and might I add boring it is so boring i you don't know what like it it's confounding it's baffling and it's frustrating to watch because you never do you go like oh and every time it comes back up you're like wait a minute what why marge acts like a lunatic in this episode like a complete nothing she does makes any sense like every moment marge is like marge acts like a like a horror movie mom like literally <laughs> Kinda, she, yeah. she acts like this, you know, like the insane over the top obsessed kind of mother you find in like those in very specific types of horror movies, horror stories. And it's not supposed to be recognizable as human. It's supposed to be, oh, this is over the top. This is monstrous behavior because she's so obsessed with her own daughter. And usually, even in those stories, you at least get some sort of justification for it. Like, oh, it's because of her own mother or because, you know, she has no life outside of her daughter or things like that. The problem is we get no window into anything else involving this. All we see, like these isolated incidents, Marge acting insane. And you're, every moment you're like, wait, what? Why? Why is, like, why, why is this happening? I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. What? Okay. But yeah. 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 So... Uh, moving on, <laughs> because that's what the episode does. Uh, there's also some jokes about Sherry and Terry being weird, creepy twins. Again, I feel like that's an old people thing. Like, people our age and younger, Gen X and younger, don't think that twins are creepy. I I, I think that's an old people thing. I I, I don't know. I I don't uh, we, know. I It's, Matt, you, I don't, see, you describe, like, some sort of motive for this. I I watch this. I go, why? What is this? What is this? Is inexplicable again? And here we can take this as an example now, okay? Of how mm-hmm. if you this was a real episode, how it would take this opportunity because this is theoretically a scene that would start that to to demonstrate the 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 divide, the gap between Marge and Lisa because Marge it, there it's a it's a it's a daughter mother date effectively they're going to do crafts mm-hmm. together they're going to quilt together and that's the whole thing it's like it's a bunch of moms and their daughters working together and to, to make this quilt and obviously we have had multiple episodes where we see marge and lisa quilting multiple episodes famously uh, of marge and lisa quilting together 
So it's not crazy to use this as an example. And you have Lisa show up late. And again, the writing in this is so lazy and terrible. Like Lisa literally just says, oh, I forgot you existed. And you're like, that's subtext, guys. That's, yeah, not... that's, that's supposed to be the thing that that is evident from other things that she says, not that she says out loud. Like And like that, Matt, see... You don't have to be a genius to write that. <laughs> you don't have to be a genius for Lisa to say, oh, I'm so sorry, Mom. I kind of forgot I was mixed up with Nick or we were doing – you haven't – Lisa go on and on about describing this fun she was having with Nick and then you you show Marge. And Marge doesn't go – she doesn't blow up at Lisa. Marge goes, oh, that's nice. And you can see her uncomfortable – her being uncomfortable, being feeling awkward about it and feeling sad but not knowing how to but demonstrate Robbie, bro, it. If you have Lisa come out and say that she just forgot about Marge, that's funny. Right, I, they do it multiple times in the episode, Matt, where people literally just describe exactly how they feel as a joke, and it is never funny, and it just comes off as an insane person behavior. Again, they never, mm-hmm. none of, no one in this episode, no character feels like a character. They feel like walking, walking bad jokes because that's all they are. I was saying is that you have, uh, I don't, have we ever seen Sherry Terry's mom before? By the way. I don't think I think it was the only time I recall ever seeing her. We see Sherry and Terry's mother with Sherry and Terry here. Instead of making a very lame quote unquote joke about the twins, you could use this moment to show how Sherry and Terry actually are kind of close to their mom or they enjoy spending time with their mom. They're like, Oh yeah, we love this time with mom. It's always fun. And they are, you show, you see their quilt, right? They show off the work they did together before Lisa gets there. And Marge feels awkward about it. And it's like, no, I'm sure Lisa will show up. You just got to give her another, you know, it's been 35 minutes. I'll just give her five more. And like, it's not a it's not a moment for a giant terrible punchline. It's a moment to try and show that if you want to tell a story, I don't know if they want to. It feels like they are like someone's twisting their arm, like, hey, don't forget a story, guys, in the last second. But that's what you do. You don't do this. I don't even know what this is, Matt. Like again, all the every scene in this, I'm going, what's going what is every moment? And I, I start writing in the notes as we go. I'm like, what's going on? Why are we watching this? I just, I literally don't know. Like, 22 Short Films About Springfield is literally an episode built around us jumping around to different little perspectives through town with no, almost no mm-hmm. connective tissue. It makes more sense than this, even though this is ostensibly about two plots. I don't know what's going on at any point. The Bart plot, I guess, makes somewhat kind of sense, but this Lisa and Marge stuff makes no sense at all. And how have we seen any, like, substantial. Th- any character about Nick at all yet? He meets her at a cafe. Nope. He, I think he's supposed to be uh, this uh, enigma of a man, and that Lisa's finding out about him. I, I think the idea behind this is that Lisa jumps into this relationship not knowing as much about him as he should. That's my best guess because it's not, uh, you know, spelled out in the episode at all. That's the other thing, right? Like anytime, like we are both relatively intelligent men. And we neither I like neither of us know at any point what the intent is in this episode. Like it's so unclear. Like did they like sometimes I'm like, is this it feels literally like someone like grabbed a writer and it's like, oh, we have ten minutes and we're short an episode for this year. For this we need another episode. And say so literally wrote it down on the back of a napkin or something and handed it to Dan Cathlinetta. Hey, read this. Uh improv. Make jokes about a boat. 
or whatever. Oh boy, I'm losing my mind, man. It's okay, Robbie. We're all losing our minds. Uh, so, moving on, uh, we go back to another myth uh, that needs to be cracked. Uh, that if you go all the way over the swing set, you will turn inside out. Uh, they let a bunch of fireworks uh, strapped to Milhouse's swing. And have him go over and over and over again. He flies off, and nope, he doesn't turn inside out. Bart even takes a picture of his insides, and uh, he's fine. Well, I mean, he's hurt, obviously, because he flew off a swing set, you know, 30 feet away into some mud, but he's not inside out, at least. We then go back to Lisa with Nick. Uh, we have a montage of them doing artsy things and, you know, the kind of things you do when you're young and in love, uh, those, those sorts of things. Uh, it's fine. I mean, it's probably the least offensive part of their relationship because no one talks. But uh, after this, um, we get Lisa back with Marge, uh, where she tells Marge about her crush, and it goes about as well as you expect. She had now come to the part that Peter Pan hated. I do like a mother's love, said Toodles. Mom, I have a crush. Is it on your father? Little girls always get crushes on their fathers. So I missed that phase. Almost there, boy. Almost there. Almost there. Within reach. The boy I like. Is Hemingway-esque. Okay, let's ask him to dinner. <laughs> wow, I hope it doesn't make him think less of me. This house is not an embarrassment. Usually when I say something like that, something extremely embarrassing happens. I'm going to say goodnight before it does. Good night. <laughs> well, Lisa didn't tell me that she had a sister. <laughs> or a daughter. I don't know if anyone's ever kissed my hand before. Well, your arms are lanky. It's kind of a long trip down there. My mother said I should bring some wine. Hmm, the French have gotten into the wine game? <laughs> Good luck catching up with the big boys. I'll get a couple of glasses. Mrs. Simpson, I'd like your permission to take your daughter to the Doritos Nutrition Fair at the school gym. Well, I usually take Lisa. I could just go with Bart. Wait, what? No! You're going with me. But Lisa, after this, I don't want you to spend so much time with this boy. If you do, it'll mean you're a separate person from me. That'll stop her from seeing him. So, yes, as we can see, uh, Marge is supposed to have some kind of problem with Nick, even though he seems like a fine guy. I mean, it's a little weird, but uh, he seems fine. And I, I guess this is what the episode is supposed to be about, is Marge not wanting her to be with Nick because that means Lisa's a separate person. But this is really the only thing. This and the quilting thing are the only times we get that. After this, it's just kind of dropped. This is Marge saying that. I'm glad you pulled this clip out because it is the, literally the it is it, like it's insane behavior when Marge literally says out loud. <laughs> You, then you'll be a separate person from me, and you're like, okay, that's a that's a that this is like when we flat we jump cut to the future, flash forward, and Lisa's in therapy uh, <laughs> because her mother said things to like this to her as a child, and yeah, there's also like divorce from any kind of you know you know uh, support. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It's just an insane thing to say out loud. But even if you like, they because they don't support it. It feels even more inexplicable. Like when when was this all about Marge and Lisa? There's been like they went to dinner, and then Lisa was late to them quilting, and now 
Lisa, and, and I will also add that Nick is sitting at that table. Nick's at the table while Marge says this to Lisa. You can't be seeing this boy anymore. Well, and Nick's done nothing wrong. Lisa's really done nothing wrong. It, you're like, what's going on? What is? Why are we watching this horror movie? This is terrible. Uh, I can't take it, man. I can't take it. Yeah, I know. Luckily for me, this is the end of this act. In. You would think that this is the end of the inexplicable things. No, no, no. We are just getting started. Uh, we I, we don't still know anything about Nick other than he's Hemingway-esque. Yes, he wears Hemingway sweaters. He talks softly and seems to be a um, uh, the, the, the wilting, violet, sensitive soul kind of guy. Which... Which is fine. I mean, you. He is, but Hemingway was not. Hemingway was kind of a brash guy. Like, okay, yeah, he was. He was a a writer and you know whatever sensitive, but also like he was a. He ran with like again, and also on Amat, like in that montage, um, we get like this vaguely European stuff. Like, to it's hearkening to Hemingway in Europe with running the bowls and the French cafe and things like that, and you're like. What does this have to do? What is, what does that say anything about Nick? Who's Nick? Who is he? Is he? Is this literally all there is to him? Is that he has this romantic like image, and that's all that Lisa cares about? Uh, that would be great if we got to know that. Unfortunately, we don't. We find out later that he has told Lisa about all these incredibly brave things that he has done. Obviously, lies, but we don't get to see that. We don't ever get to hear him tell those things. Right. So there's no. We have no. no we don't know why there's suddenly this weird this weird uh, conflict at the end between Lisa and Nick because we haven't heard any of this. When we come back from commercial at 13 minutes and 13 seconds, 13, 13, lucky 13s, Matt. Lucky us. Uh, this, is, lucky us this is sudden. This is where we, I, I, I watched this. I watched this act twice, Matt. I had, why would you do that to yourself? I had to, I couldn't, I watched this once and I, then immediately it was done. I was like, I don't, I can't, like I, we have to talk about what happens on this in the episode, Matt. I couldn't tell you anything that went on. I, oh, I mean, the third act really doesn't have anything going on. I mean, it, things happen, and I have to describe it with some sort of detail, Matt. I couldn't remember. I watched it. I Fair. literally just blinked through it. I, I'm like, I don't know what's going. I don't. So, third act begins with Lisa talking to Abe, Grandpa, who has not been in this episode. At all. Not at all. Why is she talking... All the people in the entire world... Why is Lisa talking to Grandpa? It'd be great if through her conversation we learned why, but we don't. All we get from her conversation with Abe is he compares her her and Nick to Pyramus and Thisbe. That's it. That's that's all we get. He, he points that out to her, which I feel like Lisa, as an erudite individual who is definitely not an eight-year-old, would have already seen that, but... Mm. You could... E- you, I mean, like, and they they make the they make the point. Oh, it it, it influenced Romeo and Juliet, influenced lots of you know doomed lovers stories, and you, they're not doomed though. There's no conflict in this episode. The only conflict is suddenly at the end of the last act, Marge going, "You can't see this boy anymore because I'm a crazy person." There, there's no there's no build to this, and so you're like, wait a minute, what? They're Romeo and Juliet, Pyramus and Thisbe. What? Why? Um, and then Abe, so we get this long, and they are obsessed with these flashbacks to, like, pseudo-stories in ancient times, Matt. I don't know, like, why are we getting so many of them? 
so many cut like so many episodes where we have moments set in ancient Egypt, ancient uh, like in the 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 Middle East, the Vikings. Like, wh- why? Why can't we just stay in Springfield? Are we that inept? We can't tell stories in one time period. Nope, definitely not. So Abe agrees to help her see Nick. Why? I don't know. Because the story says she, he does. Um, we see Bart and Milhouse crack the last myth of Springfield Elementary. Legend has it a girl named Eleanor Mackey drowned on this very spot. Now they say if you call her name three times while looking in this mirror, you will die. Milhouse? <gasps> Eleanor Mackey. Eleanor Mackey. Eleanor Mackey! Ah! Oh, give me a break. The one day the lunch lady decides to wash her hands. Okay, that was the last school myth, and it's officially cracked. So school is just everything we see? That's sad, man. You into cigars now? It's a Twix! I can't be the guy who killed everybody's fun. That's Skinner's job. Don't blame me. You killed the fun, fun killer. Fun killer, indeed. And this is building towards something, Matt, but because this has gotten so little time, you don't really... We never get there. Because next... This is... They've cracked the last myth. And this is theoretically building to the idea that because Bart and Milhouse have broken, like, busted all these myths, which is... These are not the myths that... The Mythbusters would do anyway, but because they bust all these myths, there's no more fun left in the school. There's no more mythos built up around you know these these legends, and so they have to make their own myth, their own legend, which involves Willie being a werewolf, and then they convince everyone that Willie is a werewolf, and then we have a long monologue from Willie about his life. Yeah, the the new. Uh mystery he wants to start or who wants cleared up i guess i i i don't know man i don't know i don't care like why is this why suddenly are we getting all this stuff about willie who cares who cares Good question, Robbie. isn't this about barry millhouse no it's just nonsense to fill an episode because that's all this all is is nonsense to fill an episode abe is driving them to a vacation lisa and nick are going on a vacation do we know anything about nick's family no, Nick is just, nope. a, he's also a child, but we don't know anything about his family. We don't know anything about him other than he's Hemingway-esque. <coughs> and Abe is ha, has them in the car, and then Abe is pulled over. Pull over. You're wanted for Grand Theft Retirement Home. The TV remote is in your pocket. Hola, yo soy Moripovich. Uno de estos siete hombres es el verdadero padre de este crack baby. Everyone speaking Spanish. But if we stop now, we'll never make it there by sunset. Run, young lovers! I'll take care of the cops. But Grandpa, hey, I ain't afraid of no prison. <laughs> Sir, we're gonna bring you back to your retirement home. No! Chief, we heard gunfire. Relax. It's just my back. And my hip, spinal column. Spinal column. Matt. Yep, an exact gunshot. Gunshot noises. Perfect. Just perfect. So the kids run off. 
uh, during this moment. Uh, Lisa and Nick, and Nick is soft. Uh, he was continu- he's you know complaining about the the elements and kind of ignoring Lisa, and I think he lets her get hit in the face with a branch. And like, and this is the conflict at this point between them is like, oh, he doesn't like that they're running from the police. And you're like, what, what, what is going on? I literally write that in the notes. What is going on? What's the conflict? What are the stakes? What am I, why, why am I watching this episode? I don't know. There's no reason. Because nope. I'm, a, I'm, trapped in a, I'm trapped in a hell of my own, de- the, my own device. Uh, we go to our final commercial, 17 minutes and 37 seconds. And don't worry, this last little bit is uh, relatively quick. Uh, So Lisa and Nick are on the run. Uh, They hop into a rowboat and and start to row out to the island. Uh, Nick is really not pulling his weight, and Lisa calls him on it and says, oh, didn't you, uh, you know, you you said you uh, paddled up the Zambezi without a guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I I did that. I did that. Sure, sure. Uh, (sighs) Meanwhile, the rest of the family is catching up to them. You've got... uh, Marge and Homer and uh, I forget his, so, someone else is there with him. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Pointless. They try to follow them. Marge puts on the little water walking shoes and we get a good solid 30 to 45 seconds of her trying to uh, follow Lisa and Nick with the water shoes. And it's just so dumb and pointless. So, so painful. painful. This is so painful. This water shoes segment where they're, this is, mm-hmm. this is the moment where I'm like, they are filming. This is visually, it's so easy to see. This is just boring watching Marge flail. And I'm like, what show is this? What, what am I, where? What? I know. What? I know. I Help. Let's let's just get through the end real quick, and then we can talk about it as a whole, because almost nothing is about to happen. I <laughs> captured pretty much the rest of the, the act from here on out, uh, and it's it's real dumb. You know, you were a lot more adventurous at the dessert table. I sure was. I'm allergic to chocolate. Shut up and kiss me. Lisa, it's Hadley Richardson, Hemingway's first wife. Trust me, you're making a big mistake. If you don't believe me, ask Pauline Pfeiffer. I was his second wife. There were two more after me. Tortured writers make horrible husbands. At least you chose to be with him. I was just swimming along, minding my own business. Next thing I know, I was hanging on his wall. He used to pee in the fireplace. (laughs) Wait, how long is this love for again? Eternity. That's a pretty long time. Now my lips are getting cold. (gasps) Lisa! This isn't working out. Lisa, I'm sorry that God gave me this gift of lying to girls for a little while. I'll see ya. I feel kind of silly I walked all the way out here. You're just fine. You always are. Thanks. But I couldn't do it, Mom. I mean, the person you kiss under a mulberry tree is someone you'll love for the rest of your life. Uh... There's some platitudes about Marge and Lisa loving each other, and that's it. That's the end of the episode. Yep. It's so frustrating uh, to watch this episode. I would have turned it off many times over. I didn't. I thoroughly hated uh, it by the end. Uh, I didn't know at one any one moment what the episode is about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't. You like you get these broad gestures like, oh, Marge doesn't want Lisa to go with this boy because. 
why? I don't know. Because she's mentally unwell. Like that's the only that's the only explanation. Because they don't do any support for any of these stories. They just have inexplicable scenes with candy cigarettes and Sherry and Terry doing twin magic, and uh, Homer and Bart in batting cages, and Marge flailing around in, on and on boat shoes, and uh, Abe scenes. Abe talking about Pyramus and Thisbe with like. How long is that Pyramus and Thisbe flashback? Two minutes, something like that. Two yeah, and it's just or... like it is very obviously they, they could have just had Romeo and Juliet and gone with it, but somebody on the the Simpsons writing staff wanted to show, hey, we know we're smart. We we know that Romeo and Juliet was actually based on something else. So let's put it in the mouths of one of the characters so people know that we we the writers are smart. I I this episode's terrible. We'll rank it at the end of the show. Robbie, how broken is this episode? No, you were right the first time with that quick fix idea. Let's see. Quick fix. Quick fix. Ah. Um, very broken, Matt. It <laughs> Yep. It's very broken. That is an easy answer. I don't there's no qualms about this one. <sighs> Can it be fixed? Yes. It's either either of these plots you could ex- expand them. It's really easy. It's not hard to do. And that's the frustrating thing. It's like when you spend half an hour thinking about it. Or watch you watch the episode, you go, oh, well, you just cut that, 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 that. That's all not funny. It's worthless. It doesn't do anything. It's wasting time. There's no, there's no even potential of humor in it. Like some of these scenes you could see like, oh, if they really, if they polished it a little bit and worked on it a little bit, thought a little harder, I'm sure they could, you could get a little bit more jokes out of them and actually make a laugh or two. The plots are simple. It's not complicated where, oh, you start the episode with Marge and Lisa having a bond over something. And then you show that Lisa in the midst of doing it once Lisa notices a boy. Um, it doesn't, he doesn't need, I don't know why, why the Hemingway stuff of all things. Like that's also like this inexplicable thing where like, Oh, he's like Hemingway. I'm like, why does Lisa care about Hemingway? Yeah, Hemingway's the kind of author that Lisa would despise, I feel like. Or she would at least appreciate his uh, artistic merit while going, oh, I know about Hemingway's life. I don't want anything to do with a guy who's like him. There's, I know of some, uh, I know of some women who do really like Hemingway, uh, specifically because he was a mass man. Um, they, they find it very intriguing and interesting. And I do too. His his personal life and his prose are very, both interesting things to me. But, you have to at least like have some kind of groundwork about why Lisa is in, enamored with this boy who vaguely reminds her of, of Hemingway. Uh, and, and like, you never see them doing any of these adventurous stuff. They're watching the running of the bulls. You don't see them. Like, you know, you think of big game hunting, sport fishing, you know, that's what I think of. I think of like that, the, the at least the surface level adventurer thing, the you know the ambulance driver in World War One like there's just nothing there's just nothing there and it's just like we get a couple bland montages that are supposed to fill in the gaps and it doesn't need to be Hemingway it could be any kind of cute boy if this is a Lisa and Marge story which I guess it is but it's also like about Lisa realizing this boy's empty and has just been lying but that's so boring it's a very bland kind of story like oh Lisa likes this boy. Because he's just lied to her this entire time, you're like, there's there's nothing interesting well, in like, that. I feel like you could make that an interesting story because that is something that I feel like everyone who ever dates a person uh, <laughs> will under have come across at one point. Is that 
in their dating lives. Oh, someone who has been lying to them the entire time. They realize, oh, you're nothing like what you said you were kind of thing. And that needs to be part of a different plot to make it interesting. But it is it could form the basis of something worth an episode. Uh, see, the problem is, man, and we've already done some of that work. So whatever. But I, after watching this, I have no goodwill. I've, how many times have we done to fix this episode now? A hundred, a hundred times. It feels like a hundred. It might be less, but I don't know. I think it's more, honestly. I mean, we haven't done it for we haven't done it for that long. Probably is more than a hundred, but it 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 just like, and maybe it's just today. I'm short on patience and short on time, so I don't want to do it. But it just feels like, well, why should I? Why should I fix this episode? Why should I waste my brain? They clearly did it. These are these the people who made the show get paid money. They get a paycheck. Way more than we are making from this, and they put it turned in this. This this is pathetic. It's shameful. And here, this is a. I'm gonna. I'll say this is that I write my books. I publish them. I work really hard on them. Work really hard to sell them as well, which is a thing that The Simpsons don't have to do. It's on Fox every Sunday forever uh, until it stops being profitable. And I'm very sensitive and cautious about like i don't want to put out something that's not good i want to if i'm putting my name on something i want to be proud of it i want to say that oh it does this this and this it has these things about it these qualities that make it worthwhile um as art it has value it contributes to the greater sphere and you know i had a friend ask me what happened to a manuscript i wrote because i talked about writing a manuscript and then like well where is it what are you doing with it? i'm like well yeah i wrote it I probably won't do anything with it. It's it's okay. It's not great. It's just okay. And could I like make, polish it and make it better? Yeah, but I don't think it has that much potential. And I'm not just going to put something out because I spent some time on it. I'm gonna make, I want to put out something that I think is good, that I am proud of, that I think shows the best of what I can do. And these people presumably worked really hard to get where they're at, uh, to get into a Simpsons writing room presumably like writing career getting into that writing room even even at this point in the show was not i'm assuming not an easy thing and you get there and i and you can talk all you want about long hours and uh you know demands of the studio wanting 20 plus episodes in a season and things like that and what i would say is i don't care so you know, <laughs> I, I don't care i don't care how oh oh you're is it too hard work it's too much work for you quit Go do something else, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, because I know what I would do, Matt. If I was in that room, if I had that opportunity, I I would drive myself into the ground to get some good good episodes out there because I know my name would be on them forever. Like, it's not just like it's a flash in the pan. It goes out and then it's, this is not a, a, a dime novel that gets thrown in the trash can after it's done. This is going to be remembered is for as long as civilization's around, we're going to have The Simpsons. And my name's going to be on this episode. And it, you watch it and you go, oh, this is dreadful. This is, it's, un, it's you can't follow the, you don't know what's going on. It's not funny. None of the characters act like themselves. It feels shoddy. It feels like, oh, like, did, did they twist your arm and make you turn in a bad episode? No, I don't think so. I think they went, oh, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think that's what happened. I think they went, oh, well, we're supposed to clock out now, and I'm going to do that. And this is what they get. I don't know. Yep. I don't really, I, you know, I wasn't in the room. I don't know. But I do know that this is uh, not acceptable. Like, 
have some pride in your work. Yeah. And when 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 you and I have done this for weeks and weeks on end, and when this is what we get over and over and over again, and you think, oh, this will be the good season. It'll be better. No, this is just as bad as anything in season 21 or 22. There's just nothing in this. There's nothing in this. Matt, are you a writer? No, I'm not. You, you, Matt, could write a better episode than this. I have no doubt about that because it feels like no one tried to write a better episode. Than exactly. This. This, this, you, like that's the thing where you you could take an amateur off the street who just is a fan of The Simpsons and they could write something better, and that that is inexcusable. So am I, fix this episode. Yes, it needs it. Am I gonna am I gonna do any more work than I already have? No, never. Of course not. And it makes me want to, and like everyone, we throw this onto the pile of like, oh, do I ever want to fix an episode again? No, not really. Even though I know that some people really enjoy it. It's just like this. Why is, why should I, why should I do the work for them? Oh boy. We can move on to our next segment. It's comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments News Group is where I ask our patrons about their thoughts on an episode, and they send them in, and I read them on air. Uh, you can support us at any level. You can have your thoughts read on the podcast. From Tim, this wasn't nearly as bad as I had feared. Yes, we have another story where Lisa gets let down by a heartthrob, but I thought that story arc made a little bit of sense. The Mythbusters B-plot, yeah, it was derivative, but harmless enough. What I could have done without, though, were the jokes. Even by the standards of these recent seasons, those were the, these were hackneyed. Number 390, not canon. You can fix this by making a Valentine's Day, episode, Valentine's Day episode that focuses on the heart, not jokes about candy cigarettes. But what about candy cigarettes? Man, it's just, they're just so funny. You ever thought about they're candy hilarious. cigarettes? You just start they're laughing. so hilarious. You just start laughing about candy cigarettes. Uh, from Derek... This wasn't even an episode. This was dead air disguised of The Simpsons. Yet another exercise in running out the clock. I have nothing to say about the Bart stuff other than it eats up a good chunk of the runtime, so much that we don't even see Lisa, the titular character, until six bloody minutes into the thing. But I was lucky because when she turns up, the main dreary banal crap kicks in. Genuinely do not know what the joke is with her relationship with Colin from the movie without generic Irish accent. Is there one? There's no humor to this at all. It's played completely straight. There is absolutely minus character motivation, chemistry, development, or even interaction. You ever meant to see parallels between them and Romeo and Juliet? They're eight for one thing, so either age her up or stop trying to do these stories. They don't work. My God, what was what was with not Colin? He just flips on a dime at the end and says something nonsensical and disappears because the show's over. Then there's the time killing, like the excruciating pivot from restaurant to snake to garbage truck. Awful stuff, truly dreadful. They should genuinely be ashamed to put out stuff like this. It's really appalling television. Can't say better myself. From Dara. Hey, did you know Michael Sarah was the guest star? Because I honestly had no idea until the credits. There was none of the late 2000s charm they had, hey, had over all of us. And that's the other thing, Matt. I genuinely really like Michael Sarah. I think he's really talented. And he, he... I do too. I, but I, I, unlike Dara, I knew it was Michael Sarah immediately. I was like, oh, that's what they're going for here. Okay, gotcha. Michael Sarah's soft boy. Um, but there's no, because it's written so poorly, you don't get anything. This episode was absolutely nothing, not offensive, not memorable, not worth the 22 minutes to watch it. Honestly, you don't even know where to rank it. Outside of running of the bullies and the one time the lunch lady decided to wash her hands, making me chuckle, I have no lasting impression of this episode. Want to fix it? Have Millhouse tried to emulate that Michael Sarah charm? Let him watch Juno, which the writers will call Anchorage, or Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, and use that as your Valentine's backdrop as he once tries again to get with Lisa. I don't know if it'd be good, but it would be more memorable than the three or four montages we got in this. TLDR, boring episodes upset me more than bad episodes. I'm putting the bar rag above this, the 11th best episode of season 23. I'm also putting the bar rag above this. 
Oh so, yeah, for it's sure. not even it's not even a contest. The bar rag is way better, a better episode than this, which is saying something. Uh, from JJ, this is the most vapid, forgettable, and redundant Lisa gets a boyfriend plot. Why would you ever watch this when Lisa's date with density exists? What even is the conflict here that Marge doesn't approve? But we don't see her do anything to keep them apart. Also, whoever wrote the line, I don't want you to spend so much time with this boy. If you do it, it means you're a separate person from me. And thought Marge Simpson would ever say that to her daughter needs to be fired. What horrible character assassination. Is Marge seriously resentful of Lisa having a life of her own? This isn't Marge. And the pacing is awful as usual. It's a Lisa episode, but she doesn't even appear until six minutes in. Then the story moves at a snail's pace because nothing happens. And jokes about kids smoking candy cigarettes? Really cutting-edge comedy, guys. I'm glad that our vitriol, our vitriol is bleeding out onto our listeners, Matt. Finally from Joshua. Oh, God. So, so very boring. I would show this in a lecture about Zombie Simpsons as a prime example of Al Jean blandness as forgettable of an episode I've seen. It is, yes, forgettable is a good way to describe it, considering mm-hmm. I had to literally rewatch part of the episode just to remember what happened in it. Uh, that's it. If you want to support us and join our Cavalcade of Calamity, our Parade of Pain, you can support us at patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow? KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow? Well, let's show question of the week this week is what is your favorite Jeremy Irons project? Maybe I, Matt, it's, it's possible. It's possible that I underrate, underst- I did not understand uh, that most people maybe aren't super familiar with Jeremy Irons, or maybe I'm just. I mean, if you had said Scar from-, from The Lion King, everyone would obviously be all over that. But yeah, no. maybe that's why no one answered. Everyone's answer is just going to be Scar, so they just didn't answer. Or they went, "Who's Jeremy Irons? Who's that again?" Maybe I don't know. Um, Matt, take it away. All right, first up uh, from Tim. Uh, these questions at times reflect how few movies I actually do watch. Irons is one of the narrators of Ken Burns' Civil War series, which I enjoyed, so that's my answer. <laughs> From Frank Grimes, Die Hard with a Vengeance or Lion King? Okay. Uh, from Dara, he was perfect as Adrian Vite. Vite? How do you pronounce that, Robbie? Vite, I believe. Vite. Adrian Vite Ozymandias on the HBO series Watchmen. Actually, that show was perfect all around. Matt, watch it. Um... We're talking about the Watchmen series that takes place. That's the one that's after the movie, right? Yeah, this this takes place in the modern day. The, the modern that's what Watchmen. I thought. The yeah, modern I, Watchmen actually, show I takes place. I watched the day. first like two or three episodes and never finish it. This is a good reason to go back. I will definitely do that. <laughs> I have I'm going to do it anyway, Robbie. I have what a, you say. I have complicated feelings about. It. There's really good stuff in that show, but I feel like it's as a premise. Ultimately, it's flawed. Like I feel like some of the performances are incredible in that show. Uh, including Jeremy Irons, but I feel like from the get-go, like there's a flawed premise that it doesn't understand one the characters of Watchmen or the central premise of the original comic book, and some of its thoughts about the police. I don't think it also uh, understands that connection to what Watchmen, the comic, was saying even back in 1985, but. I'm not going to say don't watch the show. I'm just going to say I don't think it's like everyone loves it except for me. So, <laughs> well, now I have to watch it just so I can understand where you're coming from. Okay. 
All right. Uh, next up from Derek. Gotta go with Die Hard 3, where he gave a masterful turn as Simon Gruber. With a vengeance, the best in the franchise. Yes, he read that right. Come at me. I mean, you're not going to get much complaint, uh, from Derek. I'm sure somebody out there is going to be mad at you, but uh, let's be real. I mean, uh, I'm just, what, nothing, man? You, don't, you think 3 is better than 1? I love 1. Lo- 1 has a, a special place in my heart, but when you put the two movies side by side, 3 is just superior. It's I just think, better filmmaking. Eh, see, I don't know. I think they're very different. Uh, I think 3 has a little they bit... Are. 3 they is are, a little yeah. bit more fun. 3 has more of a... I don't know. A, despite the fact that the, the, the 1 is like an 80s, 80s John McTiernan movie of all things... Yeah. Aside from like you know, uh, Al and some like some smarmy stuff from Alan Rickman, there's not a lot of fun in that movie. It's pretty dark. No, there's it's very serious, and with a vengeance is completely different. It's it's very much it's almost a buddy cop movie more than it is an action movie, and that makes it more enjoyable to me at least. Yeah, it's a little there's the riddle stuff. The the, and I think John McClane's a little bit more funny in it. And because he has Samuel L. Jackson there to play off. Oh, yeah. Good. He has Samuel L. Jackson as his backup. And that is a much more interesting pairing, quite frankly. Good old Zeus. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next up from Gonzo the Great 93. Such a distinguished actor, but favorite? The man played Scar in The Lion King and, quite frankly, was one of the best parts of it. I mean, again, you're not going to get much argument there. Uh, from Real Insanity... My favorite Jeremy Irons film is Margin Call. He did a brilliant take as an investment bank CEO. Calm and genuine, but can flip a can flip switch if challenged. This 10-minute scene is just an actor masterclass on how to use uncomfortable silences. He included, a, he included Robbie, the link to the YouTube, but I didn't obviously include that. Sounds like my kind of movie, so I'm just going to watch the whole movie now. I was going to say, I, need to, I should watch that, yeah. yeah. Uh, Robbie, what is your uh, answer? Um, not really surprised no one picked this because it's a weird movie, uh, that's really uncomfortable to watch despite the fact it's not ostensibly gory or violent or, or, uh, there's there's no really, it's not explicit in almost any way. Uh, it's Dead Ringers, which they, they've recently made a TV show, uh, based on it. Um, but the movie Dead Dead Ringers is about twins. Ringers. Uh, Dead Ringers is twins, both played by Jeremy Irons. Oh, and interesting. Directed by uh, David Cronenberg, but there's the body horror in it is almost all implied. There's never you never almost never see anything in it, and it's there's no monsters in it. It's just about these two twins, and they're and one of their more one of them is kind of more disturbed than the other, and so there there's this like constant battle between the two. Um, and it's about medical instruments and like human biology and stuff, but it's almost all very subtle and all like you just kind of you see the instruments, but you very rarely see them used, and it's all left to the imagination. And it's very an uncomfortable movie to watch. It's a disturbing movie to watch. Jeremy Irons does an incredible job when you know. And this app, you see this happen sometimes. You see an actor play twins, say both set both sets of the twin twins. I think Jeremy Irons is the best of any movie I've seen that do that. Maybe uh, Prestige, you can say, challenges that. But those two films, I think, are both my favorite, like, twin sets of twins movies. Um, Dead Ringers. Uh, it's not 
it's a very hard movie to watch. Like, and not because it's boring, but because every scene, it does a really good job of just ratcheting up like tension. Like it's a horror film that you don't really see any horror. You just get kind of like, you're just like, you feel weird and unsettled the entire time because you like, you feel like that you're these two twins you're watching like aren't human. You're like these, they look human. And I don't think there's something wrong with them. There's something like deeply inhuman about, especially the, the, the more disturbed set of the twins. Matt, what is your answer? Uh, so obviously Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Lion King, all great uh, movies, but really the answer has to be the Dungeons and Dragons movie from 2000. I mean, you can't, you can't eclipse. <laughs> right. have a serious answer. No, no, no. It's Die Hard with a Vengeance. Come on. <laughs> the Dungeons and Dragons movie is fun though. Like it's because clearly it's Jeremy Irons knows what kind of movie he's in. Oh yeah, and no one else does. Everyone else is like, "Oh, this is a I'm in an action comedy. I'm gonna play it up." And you're like, "No, Jeremy Irons is going. He dials up to like a thousand percent because he knows, like, oh, this is a dumb movie. It's stupid. It's gonna look terrible. Who cares? I'm gonna go crazy <laughs> and just and chew scenery in every single every single scene every single scene he is in." Um, next week's question: What is your favorite MythBusters myth that they they took on? Uh, I'm a huge MythBusters fan. I hopefully get. We'll see if people actually. <laughs> I always assume that everyone has my exact uh, references, Matt. So that that I just whenever I ask a question, I'm like, of course people are going to answer this. Except of course, like, I'm like of course. well, maybe everyone's really young, and so they never watched MythBusters because it's for old people now. It's a millennial show. And, you know, well, I watched the first like five or six seasons, and then they kept going. And I was like, "Oh, okay." I watched religiously until they fired the B team. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah. the point where I'm like, mm, "I'm done. I'm done with the show." Um, even the, even though as the show got, it was not nearly as good, obviously, in the, in the those later seasons. And when they fired the B team, I'm like, oh, "Okay." And then they changed the production style. I really, I still tried because I really. Now I just watched. You know, you can just watch Tested with a. Uh, with Adam Savage, and you kind of get the same experience. It's not too different. Yeah. It's just more of a kind of DIY production style, but whatever. But I'll post that question on our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Simpson Show on Reddit. Uh, that's R the Simpson Show, and you can email us at simpsonshowpod at gmail.com. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S M R T. I mean, S M A R R T. The No Google Trivia Challenge, where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions, one easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump the other. I believe, let's see, I have a one-point lead on you, Matt. One point. Mm. That's not very much. I would like that. No, it's not. I would like that a wider margin again. So if you could lob me some softballs. I mean, we will see, Robbie. We will see. We'll see me get one point again, probably, you mean? Maybe. Maybe. Give me an easy question. All right, Robbie, your easy question. In Marge versus uh, singles, seniors, childless couples, and teens and gays, mm. <laughs> uh, uh, what? Uh, what? Sorry, who leads Saskatchewan Gap? Marge. You are correct. I'll tell you. Kind how, of a gimme, but you I, know, I don't know if that's Matt. I literally have doubts. I'm like. Is that a trick question? I don't remember the episode. You can, I, you can tell me anything about the episode. I believe you. I don't remember anything about it. Like I know, I know, I know, the, I know the title, but I don't remember. Like it's something about taxes against kid, people with pe- kids. I think, but I don't remember mm-hmm. it. All right, your your easy question, Matt. In the Bart of War, Bart joins a group called what? Okay, the 
Uh, he joins, I believe it's the preteen Braves. You're correct. Okay. Whew. All right. Your medium question in Marge versus blah, blah, blah. Uh, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, what's uh, they, it starts out with a child concert. Uh, who is the singer at this concert for children, for babies? Let's, I know it's like a Rafi spinoff. Like it's a parody of Rafi. Um, did they really just, or did they just use, I don't think they actually just used Rafi. I think they did use like some stupid Maple style parody name. Was it Taffy? Was it that dumb? Would they really do that? Would they go Taffy? I don't think so. But it's something similar, like Yaffy or Ya, like, like, where they follow the same naming convention where it's like consonant, vowel, double consonant, I at the end. I'm pretty sure they did do that for sure. But I don't know. I really don't. I don't off the top of my head, Matt. Like you said, like you're telling me this. Like, I, okay, you say it happened. I don't remember this. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll say it's Boppy, like B A P P I. Uh, you're close. It is, and I can't believe I have to say this. It's Rufy. They named it Rufy. Yep. Instead of Rafi, they went Rufy. I uh-huh. see, Matt. This is the problem. I uh, overestimated. I thought I should have I should have predicted the worst because that's what we're, we'd get. Um, that's terrible. All right, your medium question, Matt. What is the name of the television show about the everyday problems of angels? Oh gosh, everyday problems of angels. Um, wow, I am drawing a complete blank here. Um, I don't think it's a Seventh Heaven reference. Um, I got nothing. I'm not going to waste your time. <laughs> I can't figure it out. Good heavens. Good heavens, of course, of course. I, I thought it was like a touch by an angel kind of thing, but I, I didn't have it. It's kind of, right. it's both Seventh Heaven and Touch by an Angel smooshed together into this ugly thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this is this is a tough one, so I apologize in advance, Robbie. In I this episode... I can barely get easy questions right. In this episode, uh, Marge prefers the, the family comes first initiative, and Homer, wanting to support her, prints up some bumper stickers. What do they say? The family comes first initiative. I will give you a hint. It's based on the initiative number, which I'm not going to give you. Uh, this, this, I mean, I th- thanks for the hint. That doesn't help. Like, I don't like there's again, like, uh, well, I do know some funny sex numbers, Matt. So I'm going to say the bumper sticker says 69 me. It says yes, no, 242 supposed to be yes on 242 and no on 232 yeah oh so it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense when you okay cool Correct. okay your hard question about and this is very hard and i'm not apologizing mm-hmm. what is the secondary headline on the springfield shopper beneath cavalry kids lead charge in cleanup oh god um it's something along the lines of another group did something terrible but I don't know what. So I'm, again, not going to waste your time. I, I don't know anything about this episode because it's so bad. Strange how we've picked way different episodes from each other in the chronology of The Simpsons. And yet we have the same problem where we don't really <laughs> remember anything that happened to them uh. because they're bad. Uh, you're on the right track, though. It is a, like, oh, a person does a bad thing. The headline is President Shoots Wife. Ah, yes, that's that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yay! <laughs> I mean, that's I. I, I will say that these things are somewhat more clever than the things you are in your episode, Matt. Like, Good Heavens is, like, something you had to think of for a second. President Shute's wife is, like, a something that had to be written. It's, like, a cleverish concept of, like, oh, a really serious headline that is, you know, ex- pre, like, they instead choose to run a cavalry kids about it, some preteen peer group thing that's a that's a, like a funny concept not quite a joke but you know it's a sight gag some of the shows still had sight gags you remember that yeah i remember that remember sight gags we both get one point this week um the stalemate continues can i take this one can i take this one point lead all the way to the end of the, uh, the season mm. i'm gonna try my best i'm gonna try my best um prove me wrong children <laughs> <laughs> Prove me wrong. We can move on to our final segment, the segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part show where men I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compile a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Oh, I'm just so tired of this, Matt. Um, let's see. It's worse. Yeah. It's worse than the rag episode. I'm going to say that. So that oh, for is, sure. Uh, I didn't think it was possible, but yeah. it is worse. So that's number. That's easy, easy wait, place to start. That's number 394 in the list right now is Mo goes from rags to riches. This episode is worse than that. It is worse than the burns and the bees. I would, I would, I would reckon. I would say that this is worse than this is worse than million dollar AB, which is number 416. I think this is worse than right below it. It's Homer Seville. I think this is worse than that. I think this is worse than Gone Maggie Gone. Um, I think this is worse than Dangerous Curves, although we're getting closer. How about the score? Are, in, yep. How about this? Okay, here, Matt, this is the true test. Is this worse than Mona Leaves? Oh, God, that's real bad. But this is so boring and pointless. I. That's like, I, I, it's when you, like, you have to really think in your head, like, well, what, what does bad mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, how, it's like, what variety of bad? Offensively bad? Like, is it actively offensive? No, neither of the episodes are particularly offensive. But, like, they're just so stupid. Mona Leaves a, ruins the history of a character. But this is just so mind-numbingly. Here, here's the thing, Matt. Mona Leaves is in season 19, okay? This is season 19. I'm pretty sure we recorded that episode in 2022. I still remember parts of Mona Leaves that is I true. can describe yeah. the, the rough plot of Mona Leavesa in two a year and a half from now. If you ask me what the daughter also rises about, I will not remember a thing about it. It is so that bland is and forgettable. And you have to go like, well, which is worse? The fact that I remember Mona Leavesa because it's so bad, because it kind of does disgracefully kill Mona. Does that make it worse? I don't know. I don't, I think I would, I feel at, we're at a certain point where I'm, I think we're, we're close to where this episode belongs because I'm not sure. Um, I think it's above Mona Leavesa, but I think it's below the squirt and the whale, which is right above it. I think these, those it's right, uh, right above Mona Leavesa. Yeah. I am 100% with that. I mean, in that saying something, what I would rather watch the whale episode mm-hmm. than I would watch this again. Yeah. It's, this yeah. is abysmal. Um, so that is the daughter also rises. What a name Hemingway this like, and like also that's the other thing. Like I studied Hemingway in college. This episode doesn't invoke Hemingway in any way. It doesn't actually except reckon... for Nick's sweater. That is the only Hemingway esque thing. 
You mean a very surface level approximation of what Hemingway was, Matt? Yes, you are correct. Or the fact that references his wives and they're like, oh, we were miserable. We didn't like getting married to him. You're like, that's cool and all, but could we have seen that behavior in Nick? Not in these like weird dream sequence Hemingway wives or the fact that a fish is in there. You're like, that's also like dismissing real life trauma of like these poor ladies because you thought a fish was funny. I don't even know. I like I don't even know where to begin with all this. So that this is the daughter also rises number four thirty two right below the squirt in the whale right above Mona Leavesa. Uh, we're not done though. We have one more question to answer. One more. Wait, wait. More question to ask. One more. One, wait, Matt. No, I'm losing my perspicacity. <laughs> one more. What do I say? One more question to answer. And that question is: Do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? course we fired out of the cannon there's just oh, not why yes. would we yeah fire the cannon <laughs> goodbye forever the the, the daughter also rises Ugh, ugh, exactly ugh is the right answer um, we're working our way down from the top of the list Matt answering the same question that question this week we are going to ask about the Simpsons spinoff showcase number 173. Ooh, now this is an interesting question. I actually just watched this yesterday. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I sing the candy song in my head all the time because I can't get it out ever since I watched it the first time. Uh, and my wife was always asking, me, like, why do you always do this weird lilt at the end? And I was like, I will show you exactly why. And, uh, oh, does this in the canon? Hmm. Yes, it's in the canon. I don't. I don't. We don't have to have it hot about this, man. Um, okay. Okay. We could. Obviously, there's the question, right? Like, because it's not. It's by definition not in the proper canon of the show. Right. Like, but that's not what we're discussing, and it's a good. It's a good way to say that when we say, "Is it? Is this canon to The Simpsons?" It's not. Did this actually happen in the show? It is more about is this episode worth watching and discussing and talking about. Is there enough in it to make it worthwhile uh, to watch, to include, to discuss with your friends? It, the canon in a proper academic sense. Um, and so in that sense, it's a lot of fun. It's, a, it's, an, it's one of the season eight weird episodes. Like they started making weird episodes by then. Weird good ones, though, as opposed to what they did afterwards, which is weird bad. Um, these are, it's why season eight is one of my favorite, is my favorite season of the show is because it's filled with weird experiments they knew they thought the show was gonna be ending soon they're like well, let's try weird stuff let's have a spin-off show <laughs> we're like you're like what do you mean have a spin-off show you mean a normal episode no no with like a with like a about skinner no 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 we have a fake episode about what spin-offs would be to the simpsons and you're like wait what <laughs> like that doesn't it, it, like i think we're we are more accepting of weird meta experiments and shows now feel like it's kind of a commonplace thing nowadays, but back in the 90s, you didn't see it as often. And I think that's partially because of The Simpsons, because they did weird stuff like this. And yes, it's part of the canon. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun episode. Is it like it doesn't have any serious plot in it? It has it's a bunch of weird <laughs> jokes and weird meta stuff and weird like like what do we do if we put these characters over here? And you're like, that's strange. And you're like, yep, you're right. It is strange. It's also fun. Yep, but still cool. Still cool. Uh, our next episode, Matt, 
is at long last leave guest starring Julian Assange. What? WikiLeaks is in this episode? What? The heck? Okay. It's the 500th episode of the season of the of this show, uh, theoretically. But it guest stars has Bob and Rabbi Kristofsky, uh Allison Cross performing the Simpsons theme song, and Julian Assange as himself recording over the phone while he was under house arrest. Uh, the episodes discover the inhabitants of Springfield have grown tired of them and have secretly decided to throw them out of the city. And mm. then they go to Mad Max World? Out, they go to the Outlands. Man. It's like Mad Max World, apparently, or something. Yep, 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 yep. I what? Yeah, it's... what is going on? What's happening? Okay, that's next time. Okay. Watch along with us. Uh, uh, how do I do? Oh, everything's on our website, simpsonshow.com, patreon.com/slash the Simpson Show. You know the drill. Uh, please help us. Help give us a, throw us a couple dollars if you're if you've got a lot of enjoyment out of the show, giving us even a dollar a month, two dollars a month makes a world of difference, and we really appreciate it. You can find me online at my, my name is robbydorman.com. That's my website. I'm on all social media as that name. I've written 15 books. 15th is going to be coming out in a couple months. It I'll probably next probably by the the next episode you'll be hearing me try and sell you the book. But uh, please give, <laughs> give my books a shot. Uh, they're a lot of fun, and I do take a lot of pride in them. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. No, oh, that is true. I spend all of my time taking care of adorable baby kittens, which you can see at kittenturns.org or at kittenturns on Instagram. Uh, the Instagram feed has a lot more of the older kittens. I am currently actually bereft of kittens because my last one just got adopted, and it's not kitten season yet, so I'm lonely with only my six cats, uh, a dog, and a turtle. So, you know, weep for me, weep for me, and look at the incredibly cute pictures of past uh, kitten turtles. I'm, Matt, I'm, I'm what I'm surprised by. Is that turtle still alive? How is that turtle still alive? It's a turtle. He lives like 30, 40 years. Yeah, but it lives in your house. <laughs> My cat surprisingly don't care at all about the turtle. I, see, I don't know. I think I just, you hear the number like, oh, yeah, turtles is theoretically, even the little, those whatever the turtle kind of turtle you have. You're like, oh, it, will, it lives forever. And you're like, yeah, but that's in the wild. Like, that's or like in a zoo, <laughs> not in somebody's uh-huh. house in their dirty fish tank. That I used to bubble in the background of recordings, mm-hmm. and I yell at Matt about it. I moved him out center stage, so now everyone who enters the house can see the turtle, and he's no longer part of the podcast. I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just joshing. Uh, what was I saying? I'm losing my mind. Is what I'm saying. Uh, that'll do it for today. I'm Robbie, and I'm Matt. And you might just say, "Shh, 